Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, I'm Ryan Mallory, and this is my Swing Trading the Stock Market podcast. I'm here to teach you how to trade in a complex, ever-changing world of finance. Learn what it means to trade profitably and consistently, managing risk, avoiding the pitfalls of trading, and most importantly, to let those winners run wild. You can succeed at the stock market, and I'm ready to show you how. Hey, everybody. This is Ryan Mallory with Swing Trading the Stock Market. In today's episode, we're going to be doing a follow-up on a guy from podcast episode number 270. Now, if you remember, in previous episodes, I actually mentioned that I like getting some follow-ups on some of these episodes because, you know, I like to dole out some helpful tips and tricks of the trade and making these podcasts in such a way that helps you to become a better trader. But it's also really cool when I get feedback about how it actually did make you a better trader. So when I do your episode, when you guys provide me with some feedback on how it's changed your approach to trading, maybe it's a couple months down the road. Maybe it's a couple of years down the road. Either way, I like to hear from you guys. And in this case, it's a couple months down the road. We referred to this guy as Liam in episode 270, and it was entitled When to Quit Trading. And it was kind of sad because he had said in that particular email, I felt that I had a real passion for trading, but these last few terrible weeks of trading has made me ask myself a lot of hard questions. Apart from losing all your money, at what point should someone just give up and realize it's not for them? I know this is a difficult question. It would be very different for many different people. Is a lot of losing part of learning? Could you speak about your biggest ever winning trade and maybe your worst loser or longest losing streak? It was a sad email. It was a sad podcast episode. I remember it pretty well. But the cool thing is, is he followed up with me and Liam writes, Hello, Ryan. I hope you are keeping well. In August, I emailed you and you did a podcast on my question. I was at a real low point then and had a real bad run. Well, good news is, is following your advice, I really turned a corner. And since then, I've grown my account from $25,000 to $27,000. So that's a $2,000 gain, almost a 10% move. That's really good. One of the main ways I achieved this was I started back trading with 10 pounds on the risk side of every trade and grew my confidence and gradually increased the risk to 100 pounds. That's where I am at now. I still made quite a few mistakes along the way, but not as costly to my account. And another thing I am doing is printing out all of my trades and writing notes on them and randomly selecting a few before I trade. As a beginner observing my trades, sometimes I can't even believe I took some of them. And then he puts a smiley emoji right after it. Anyways, that's the quick update and a big thank you for everything you send us. Monitoring your thoughts and charts has been invaluable on my trading journey. He's talking about swingtradingthestockmarket.com and the trading block, which is two different services. Swingtradingthestockmarket.com, that just gives you all my research. Trading block gives you all that in addition to all of my actual trades and access to my trading room. Now, my quick question is, should I be setting goals? Do you set goals, i.e. profit targets, account size, monthly target? Thanks for everything. Liam. Now, I love the follow-up. I love the fact that he asks another question there, and I have some strong opinions about goal settings, and we're going to get to that. But first, what am I drinking? 
Well, I'm drinking some wild turkey rare breed barrel proof rye, not bourbon, rye. Now, I've done it before on the bourbon, but I've never done it on the rare breed rye. So, kind of interesting this one. I got it because I heard that it's really good with old fashions, but for this episode, I'm not doing old fashions. I'm just drinking it neat in my Glen Claire glass. Color on this one's nice, medium dark. Real pretty color. The smell, I definitely can pick up the wheat flavors. I can smell some lemon. Very zesty. And oh, I almost forgot. It's 56.1% alcohol, which makes it 112.2 proof. Now to the taste. It's very strong rye flavor. A lot of that zesty lemon flavor pops up as well. Again, in the taste, just like with the smell. And then you get this strong finish, but it's not like an ethanol finish. So that's a good thing. I hate that ethanol flavor that pops up in a lot of your cheaper bourbons. I got this one at Costco, I think for like 49 bucks or something. But it is a very dry finish. But it's a finish that doesn't like overwhelm you. It doesn't knock you out. Overall, I mean, from the nose flavor down to the finish, you, you kind of feel like with those lemon flavors and then some of those rye flavors that you're almost like at a like a grain mill of some sorts. You know, you pick up those smells. It's really cool. So would I consider this an everyday sipper? Absolutely. It's good. It's solid. Would I consider this like a premier bourbon? No, I would give it like a 7.9. I think it's pretty good. Everyday sipper, solid bourbon. Now, back to Liam here. He mentions about how bad of a run that he had, how he was at his low point. And I'll tell you, when you're trading, especially if you're doing it as a career or you're doing it part-time even, you're going to have some low points. I have low points on my months. I have low points on my weeks. It's just going to happen. There's going to be a lot of low points in your trading. And sometimes it comes just down to how bad do you want it? Do you, are you going to push through? Are you going to force yourself to become disciplined in your trading approach? He grew his account from 2500 all the way back up to 27000 And that's huge. Now, some people might say that's only $2,000. No, it's about the fact that he's consistently managing the risk, that he was willing to take smaller trades to be able to better control the emotions. He mentions how on some of his trades, he was only risking 10 pounds of risk, which is, I guess, in today's terms, about $10 in U.S. dollars, right? I'll just refer to it as U.S. dollars just because it's hard for me to <laughs> say 10 pounds of risk. $10 of risk for the purposes of this episode. Why is he doing that? Why is that important? You're thinking to yourself, but he's only making smaller profits as a result. Yes, he is. But in the end of the day, he's up $2,000 on his account, whereas he could trade a lot bigger, introduce a lot of emotions, and then lose a lot of money. He could be down 5000 maybe even $10,000 if he was trading with too much risk, too much position size. Instead, he focused more on doing good trades along the way. And yes, as a beginner, you're going to have bad trades. And he realizes that just looking back at some of his trades. But because he was trading with smaller amounts, he was able to learn from those trades with less exposure to the downside. And as traders starting out, even if you have the money, is it really necessary to trade big? Isn't it better to, to learn your craft a little bit, to get better at it before you just like start throwing the money at it? We are so quick with trading to want to say that we're good at it, that we've got it figured out. And it's a huge mistake that a lot of traders make. They view themselves and their abilities to be far greater than what they should. The market's the great humbler. And if you think that you're better than the market, that you have it figured out, that you can trade off of intuition or your gut feels, it's going to punish you for that. And because Liam here traded with smaller risk, he was able to experience some of those mistakes that he made along the way without it being costly. And here's the thing too. He's always going to make mistakes. We all make mistakes trading. I make plenty of mistakes. And early on, you're going to make a whole lot of mistakes. There's just going to be things that you learn from the first time that you never even knew. You're going to find yourself in a very illiquid stock one day. And you're going to be like, man, I can't get out of this trade. And it's going to teach you about liquidity. But there's going to be a lot of lessons. And that's just one example. But there's a lot of things that you'll learn along the way that you won't even learn from this podcast. You'll just learn from experience. 
because we're all going to make mistakes, whether you're experienced or just starting off. I have this incredible ability at using limit orders instead of stop orders. And sometimes that can result in me getting into a stock when I don't want to. And then I have to close it back out and wait for the right entry price by putting in the right order type. Just in the trading block this week, we had one guy, he accidentally added an extra zero to his shares. What did he do? He had a whole lot more exposure to a particular stock. I think it was meta actually than what he wanted. Now it turned out good for him. He actually made a profit, an outsized profit as a result of that. But that's one of the things that you're going to do as a trader. Even beyond bad decisions, you'll make mistakes as traders too. One of the things that I do in my own trading, I use Thinkorswim. I actually just put the dollar amount that I want to trade. Thinkorswim doesn't do fractional shares or anything, so it's not like right to the penny when they fill the order, but usually I'll be pretty close to the actual dollar amount that I want to trade. Sometimes it might be like $15 or $20 off of the total amount that I want to invest in this in the particular stock, but overall it's pretty much right there with where I want to be positioned size-wise. And the reason why I do that is because I can see the commas on the trade, whereas sometimes if you're just typing in the shares, it's easy to type in an extra zero or an extra one. And all of a sudden you're going way out there, way beyond what you want to actually be trading from a share size standpoint. Sometimes you get the numbers mixed up in your head, but if you know how much money you want to be putting on every one of your trades, because you know what the position size of every trade is supposed to be, sometimes it's easier, especially if you're using think or swim. And I think you, you can do this on fidelity too, just to type in the amount that you want to put on that trade. Then when you're looking at the order preview, it'll stand out to you a lot more if you're making a mistake on your trading ticket. But another thing that he's done here, one, I really like the fact that he didn't give up. He reflected on what he did wrong. He scaled down his position size and started getting more comfortable with bigger position sizes. And that's where he's at now. He's risking $100 on each one of his trades. He's gotten comfortable to be able to do that. And he's reflected on his trades. I don't print out the charts on my trades, but every approach to trading is different. And how people learn from their mistakes is going to be different. I like to look at the raw data numbers, right? I like to look at where am I getting in, where am I getting out, what kind of losses am I taking from a percentage standpoint. I like looking at all that kind of stuff. What are my average profits? Other people like to look more on their charts and, and they can visualize it more. And that's fine. But what he's trying to do is he's trying to be reflective. He's trying to learn from his mistakes. And by printing it out and writing notes on his charts, he's planning out the trade and doing a really good job of trying to prepare himself for the risk that he's taking on with each and every trade that he makes. And on the subject of making trading mistakes and bad trading decisions, one thing you'll learn as you get better at trading, you have a higher intolerance for bad trades. Things that you didn't really think about when you were in your beginning stages of trading that didn't bother you will bother you the better you get at trading because you have a higher expectation for yourself. There's certain things that you know that you shouldn't be doing. So the better you get, there's still going to be plenty of things that get under your skin about your behaviors when it comes to trading and the decisions that you make at times, but that's going to be as a result because you do get better. You don't have as much of a tolerance level for some things that you might've just brushed under the rug in your early years of developing as a trader. Now on to the point about goal setting. Well, before I get to goal setting, make sure you check out swingtradingthestockmarket.com because swingtradingthestockmarket.com is a really awesome service that you can get that works alongside of this podcast. SwingTradingTheStockMarket.com is going to give you all my stock market research each and every day. That's going to include weekly watch lists. That's going to include updates on all the big tech stocks and on the overall market and, and different watch lists for each day of trading. So check that out. SwingTradingTheStockMarket.com. Really cool service. And in the process, you're supporting this podcast. Now about goal setting. Goal setting will oftentimes, if not most of the time, lead to bad trades. 
Why is that? Because we were setting goals for ourselves, whether it's every day, every week, every month, or every year. I would actually say the lower the time frame, the greater the mistakes start getting. I mean, I know people who set daily profit targets that they want to make from the market. What does that lead to? That leads to overtrading. Why? Because you're trying to get to that target each and every day. And if you miss it like four or five times in a row, what do you think that's going to happen? That's going to cause irritation. That's going to feel like I'm not doing very good at my trading when in fact you may be doing a good job of trading by not trading at times. How many times this year I have actually not traded at all in a single day? Probably 40 or 50 times at least this year so far. I would say that's maybe underestimating it, but I've gone a lot of days this year and not made a single trade. But if you're making daily goals for yourself, then if you're just in a really good trade and it's having a one or two day pullback, a light volume pullback, and you're not meeting your goals, then what are you going to do? You're going to find something else to trade to try to make that profit up and probably lose even more money because you're trading based off of what you need out of this arbitrary goal that never needed to be set in the first place. Market doesn't care about your goals, doesn't even know your goals. So why would it try to help you meet those goals? If you set weekly goals, it's just kind of the same thing. You start getting to Thursday and Friday, you're going to start pushing your trades a little bit. You're going to start taking trades that you don't want to take. And from a monthly standpoint, same thing. Now, can you set a goal to be profitable on a monthly or a yearly basis? Sure, sure. There's a lot of time there to be able to make some good trading decisions, but I wouldn't be tagging like a specific number to it. Like, oh, I need to make 10% every month. That's a crazy goal to make. And most people think that's actually easy to achieve. And maybe you can achieve it once or twice in a row by taking some big risk. But over the long term, no, that's crazy town. But when you get to the end of that month, what are you prone to do? You're prone to start pushing some trades that you shouldn't be pushing. Maybe you're in some trades that you should be getting out of, but because you're not reaching your goal, you keep trying to let that trade play out further. And then all of a sudden you lose more money. You start not paying attention to stop losses because that stop loss means that you don't meet your goal. I set profit targets on all my trades. But what is the whole purpose for those profit targets? It's definitely not the goal that I have to meet. It's for me to be able to determine whether or not the reward to risk ratio is in my favor going into the trade. But I'm not going to be hell-bent on reaching that profit target. And if I do reach it, I'm not going to take all my money right then and there out of the trade. I might take some partial profits, but I'm going to let that trade run as long as I can possibly let it run until the technical analysis tells me otherwise. And there's going to be times before it reaches that goal that the technical analysis says, hey, something's changed on this stock. You need to go ahead and get out of it now. But what I'm definitely not going to do is force a stock to reach that goal and ignore all the technical analysis that tells me to get out before them. So profit targets on your trade are only, for my sake, measuring risk-reward. And when you're setting profit targets from an account standpoint, it says, I need to make this much money every week, month, whatever. It creates desperation for you. You're trying to force the market to give you something that it may not be willing to give you. It may not be giving you the conditions to be able to get that either. And think about it. The market's continuous. It just keeps going on. Monday through Friday, it's going. Crypto market's always going. Futures market, most of the time, 24-5, if you want to call it that. And it doesn't care about your goals or anybody else's. And that's where a lot of these like hedge funds and stuff get themselves into trouble because what they're trying to do in their trading is not necessarily always follow the will of the market, follow the direction the market's given them. It's trying to get them a return for their clients that may not be attainable based off of the conditions of the market. So they start pushing trades and then all of a sudden they're making even worse trades. I mean, you look at ARK, for instance, right? A-R-K-K. Kathy Woods, I think, is one of the most overrated traders of our time. And she's getting a ton of free passes from the media and everybody else involved that she's heralded as this like genius. I don't know what she's done that's actually good. Just seems like she keeps losing more and more money on her trades. But she's got an image to keep up with, right? She wants to look good. 
I would be willing to bet that on some of those trades, there's probably this need or this desire to be able to show something to the people who are investing in those funds. But does the market care about that? No, the market's going to do whatever the heck it wants. So when we have goals or we have goals that are in conflict with the overall market, whether it's trying to please investors or try to please a client, it creates desperation and it creates bad decisions. Because in the end, whether you set your goals for monthly, yearly, weekly, whatever, the market doesn't care about that. The market's continuous. Without the labels that we put on charts, you would never know on a daily chart where a year begins or where a month begins and where it ends. It's just one candle after another. So wrapping this up, really appreciate this email from Liam. I think one of the cool things that he did was letting me know how he did it following some of the darkest times of his trading. He scaled down the risk. He traded with what a lot of people might see as being meaningless. Hey, he made 10 bucks off of the trade. Big whoop. He made 20 bucks off of the trade. Big whoop. But what he did there was help himself to better understand how to manage a trade without all the emotions involved and to find that position size that allowed him that optimal position size that he could trade with without the emotions becoming the main driver of his decisions when it came to swing trading. It's good to reflect on your trades. It's good to think back on what you did right and what you did wrong, but you got to have that honest conversation with yourself. You got to be willing to say, hey, I'm screwing up in this area. I need to improve. And remember, with goal setting, it can re- lead you down a path of desperation, some bad trading decisions, because the market doesn't care about your goals. It doesn't care about what you want to achieve. So just take it a trade at a time and just let it go from there. Maybe you'll have a year where you make 200%. Maybe you have a year where you only make 5%. But if you're being disciplined and sticking to your strategy and managing the risk on all your trades, then that's what you should really be measuring your success by. If you enjoyed this podcast, I encourage you to leave me a five-star review on whatever platform you're listening to. I do read them and I do appreciate them. And make sure to keep sending me your questions, ryan at shareplanner.com. And if you have something that you want to share from a previous episode that you learned from, maybe it wasn't even your episode, but if it was something that really meant something to you, let me know about it, man. I want to hear about what's helping you out in your trading and maybe we can make a podcast episode out of it. Make sure to check out swingtradingthestockmarket.com so you can support this podcast. Thank you and God bless. Thanks for listening to my podcast, Swing Trading the Stock Market. I'd like to encourage you to join me in the SharePointer Trading Block, where I navigate the stock market each day with traders from around the world. With your membership, you will get a seven-day trial and access to my trading room, including alerts via text, email, and WhatsApp. So go ahead, sign up by going to SharePointer.com slash trading block. That's www.SharePointer.com slash trading block. And follow me on SharePlanner's Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, where I provide unique market and trading information every day. If you have any questions, please feel free to email me at ryan at All the best to you, and I look forward to trading with you soon.